podcast one hundreds and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices that is going to drop for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, it's Nathan Harrison. Hi. It's Andrew McDonald. Very happy to be here. And last but certainly not least, Mixmaster Mike himself. It's Adam Boncher. Hi. How you feeling? Yeah, fantastic, man. How's everybody doing tonight? Make some noise! Mm, Hell yeah. yeah. I'm making some noise because I'm with you. you <laughs> from now on, when someone says make some noise, I'm going to like make a very specific uncalled for noise. I'm going to pull, pull out my travel symbols. <laughs> yeah. 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 You never yeah. specified which noise, yeah. my man. That's That's right. th- that'd be a good if you if you could learn to fart on command. Be a good time to like an audible <laughs> fart, not, yeah. not, not I reckon, an SPD. I reckon Migos were given that as a literal uh, instruction, and that's kind of how they got their thing. Oh, they're, they're just like, "Come on, guys, make some noise!" And they're just like, "Oh, like uh, scoop!" Yeah. It's a real like drama <laughs> yeah. game. Let's all go around the circle and yeah. just add Lambos. a noise. Yeah. Like, I'm going to add a 95 minute record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, Quavo, please. <laughs> Quavo. Quite a lot of noise. <laughs> oh my god. All right, 75 songs mm. done in the past. You can't count them. <laughs> so countless. Many. Countless. Countless. countless songs. <laughs> Up to including 75 songs. I reckon, I can't speak for anyone else here, but obviously this has been a really good countdown so far. Mm. I think I've been too soft on many... I've given passes where passes should not have been given. Are really? The gloves coming off. Well, yeah, I just think, you know, last quarter... If something's here... Is the nicest guy in the room about to become the bitch? <laughs> are you gonna, is the nicest gonna, guy in the room about to become still the nicest but slightly less yeah. nice? <laughs> are you going to become the Simon Cowell of the group? Oh, that sounds I'm, I'm, bad. I'm looking at the five songs we have here and you're going to be... Some may be hard-pressed to... Well, I just, I, what I want to do is make a commitment to swing harder at one song per episode for the rest <laughs> of the countdown. Oh, I okay. I haven't actually checked all the way through, so who knows, yeah. but... That's my election promise. It's going to be tough. I support this. Yeah, Yeah, great. (laughs) Will you you join me in this? (laughs) I think it does probably... Let's be bitches, baby! It raises questions about whether my criticism is valid if I'm just arbitrarily (laughs) picking one song to say it's shit. But, you know... (laughs) But you could could get subtle with it. You could just be like, oh, I wonder which one it was in that episode that Nathan was aiming for. Oh, it'll be clear. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be ever clear. We get to the end and all of them are like people of colour. Is it going to be this first song, David? What is it? Well, let's find out. Bling! Oh my goodness! At number 25, it's the motherfucking Beastie Boys with... Well, now, don't you tell me to smile You stick around, I'm making what you want 
Beastie Boys coming in at number 25 in the 1998 Hottest 100. That is Intergalactic. You can find that on their 1998 studio album, Hello Nasty. I like to say it like Hello Newman. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Would well, you know how uh, the record got its name? I'm sure you are going to tell me, <laughs> Benfold's Garbage Man, please. <laughs> there was the New York-based publicity firm called Nasty Little Man um, that I believe had some dealings with the BBs, mm. and um, the way they answered the phone was Hello Nasty. Oh. So you were kind of correct. Mm. It's a great name for a record, and it has a great album art as well. Oh, yeah, the sardines. The sardines. The sardines yeah, in the sun. Yeah. Also has one of the most comprehensive deluxe editions I've ever seen. What do we it's got? 45 tracks. <laughs> Come on, we haven't got all day. That's... <laughs> Who are Which... they, Migos? Screw <laughs> <laughs> the... it. My second favourite Beastie Boys record, second to Ill Communication. Wow, huge call. Mm. As we're about to discuss, this comes at an interesting point because... Free to bet. Free to bet, eh? Yeah. I'll um... take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, MCA's uh, incredible uh, creation, Nathaniel Hornblower who is a Dutch director, a music video director, that he came up with, uh, that he plays. Right. Um, like, he accepted wards as Nathaniel Hornblower in character. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> Good. I think the thing about Beastie Boys is that they are so commonly associated with the 80s. Five-year right to party, license to ill communication, like these big, big, huge, important records for hip-hop. And they were OG hip-hop. Yeah, like, yeah, while, totally. While hip hop was getting going as a recorded medium, the Beastie Boys were at the forefront of that. They played such an important role. The Paul's Boutique record is directly responsible for the changing of licensing laws of sampling. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Paul's Boutique was the landmark case they used where you could no longer sample without giving credit and financial uh, remuneration. Yeah. And that was Paul's Boutique. And um, Chuck D uh, had a moment where he was saying the, the dirty little secret in hip hop that the best beats are made from three white Jewish guys. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they are the OG. And, and many people have actually, you know, talked about them saying, like, it, it, they kind of, unfortunately, reflecting back on the early days of hip-hop, it's like it was necessary for there to be a white hip-hop band to kind of, like, give a tick and, and, for, and, for the safety of the genre for middle white America. Which, you know, that's messed that, up. That, and that's how it goes, right? So it's like how that um, early New York punk band Death... Yeah. Four black men made their record in 1974. It's a punk rock record. Yeah. yeah. Two years, two full years before the Ramon self-titled record came out. Yeah. And three years before Sex Pistols record came out. And Death, arguably the first proper punk rock band, but because yeah. they're black men, they're stricken from the records. But that's part of yeah, the point. Yeah, like, I, I see kind of, like, Death and the Stooges, like, just, kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah pretty much running, like, synonymously at, at that point. But, yeah, so in 1998, the Beastie Boys aren't a relevant thing, at least not before this record comes out and not before Intergalactic becomes one of their biggest hits of all time. That is, like, a hitherto unseen kind of thing for, like, such a big act from a previous decade to come back in such a way. I'm always fascinated when, like... Acts like that have those sort of comebacks. Most of them are pretty cringy examples. Um, uh, Kokomo, for instance, like the late 80s. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Truly one of the funniest songs of all time. It's, it it's is incredible. So it's remarkable. I just love listening to it. It's like, what the fuck were you guys thinking? The best they were part thinking is that they wanted to go to Kokomo. <laughs> it doesn't it's, exist. It's, there what? is it's, no Kokomo on the Florida Keys. Bullshit. True. There's you know where Kokomo. there is a Kokomo, though? 
up here yeah. <laughs> and in here. And, in here. Yes. Um, and I guess a more recent example would have been Hey Soul Sister. Pretty much a decade on from Train's biggest hit, they come back with an even bigger hit. I, it's always fascinating when there are acts that, you know, have these huge gaps in between hits. So, in spite of fucking everything, the BC Boys have rarely sounded this energetic, this vital, this just raring to go. I remember just being completely enraptured by this as a child, just watching this incredible, trashy, old-school sci-fi video where they're just running around the city and, like, matching high-vis suits and just, like, performing various, like, uh, weird, like, tai chi dance moves and shit while this hilarious, super low-budget monster robot terrorises the fucking city. Because you know who directed it, of course. It was Spike Jones, wasn't it? Nathaniel Hornblower. Oh, Nathaniel! Yeah. My boy! It's, 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 it's I, thought it was, I legit thought it was Spike Jones because he was doing so much shit around this time. He, he did um, Sabotage. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right. Another classic, which we've covered previously on this show. We love talking about the Beastie Boys, and why wouldn't you? Holy fuck, they're one of the best acts in the history of music. They're Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. They're like, you know, multi-platinum establishments and like genre-defining artists. Compared to, say, Sabotage, which I guess those are perhaps their two most known songs outside of hip-hop communities. Those are Mm. two pop hits, right? What I love, Mm -hmm. like, Sabotage is so viscerally in your face. It has a punk rock aesthetic going on. They play their live instruments kind of thing. And this one, not that you would describe the song as being subtle, but it's more explicitly an insular hip-hop sounding song. Like, yeah, it's, it is it, more hip-hop sounding. Yeah. You, you, people could class Sabotage as a rock song. Precisely. You'd have a hard time passing this as a rock song. A Beastie Boys trope is the... And I, I never, yeah. ever tire of yes. it. One person raps two lines and on the last, like, two words of the line, the other two boys come in and they Style! Wow! Profile! Yeah. It never gets it tiring. It never gets old! It's so... <laughs> yeah. They literally were Migos! Yeah. Oh my God! Oh my it, God. Is, it never stops being fun yeah. when they do that kind of stuff. It's like, why you go to the Beastie Boys. Yeah, because their voices just sound so good when they do that. Like, there's something about that. <laughs> it's not a harmony. Yeah, that would, that would be no. generous. Yeah, <laughs> but there's something about the power of Stop. all of them combined. Well. They just, they're just locked in. Yeah, and just and the fact that like their rhyming schemes are so not like predictable but simple. Joyously Reliable. so mm. yeah. that you kn- you know when you two can come in and you probably can guess the word. Like, and you, and you yeah. do the the thing. I'm sure many people do this when you listen to the Beastie Boys. If, if you've like seen any of their film clips, like one of their other tropes is that when they're obviously the proto example of this is in Ch- Ch- Check It Out, where yeah. they, they walk down a street in New York and they do these low bends and these hand signals to the camera <laughs> when they're joining on the raps. Oh, totally. And, like, listening to the Beastie Boys, it's so difficult to not just like jerk your hands out when you go in like <laughs> profile. Wow, like it just. It's just so it's, delightful. It's so one, sick. Of, one of those bands that like this song in particular as well. They're one of those bands that just like escape the trappings of their genre, but mm. still honor the genre so dedicatedly. Like this is explicitly yeah. a hip hop song driven by very clever, very innovative sample work. Yeah. So it's explicitly in the realm of hip hop, but because and I know there is some race politics coming to this as well. They are white and they have that privilege, but they're able to reach beyond the realms of hip hop sampling and flow and stuff like that and just make people party obviously like they fought for our right to do so and those brave boys those brave boys and like if you listen to the Beastie Boys and you aren't partying, you're doing them a disservice. You are meant to party listening to the Beastie Boys. And there's something about just the particular way that they are cool. 
Because there's no denying that the Beastie Boys are cool, but it's kind of a dorky kind of cool. They're very they're, dorky. They're the coolest dorks in the world. Yeah. Like they're, yeah. And, is, and that, that gesture, that straight in the camera, like those, those kind of moves, like that plays into it because they embody that so earnestly and they mean what they're doing so much that it, it kind of doesn't, it's a moot point whether or not that's dorky or cool. The, it's so earnest and it's done with so much passion that that continuum just kind of gets erased. Because they're not it's doing irrelevant. like, because they're not doing like East Coast signs. They're not doing blood no, or crip signs. No, they're just wiggling. They're just the they're, Beastie Boys. They're just wiggling their hands. And, yeah. and they're friends. It just like, it yeah. sounds like. They're buddies. They're buddies. Yeah. The way that they all come in at the end of the line together. That just sounds like friendship. Like, that sounds like hanging out and making a cool song together. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah, and it's just like, because they made, they were consciously aware of this, making fun of it in Futurama about the huge gaps between their record releases. Yeah. Like, How was, long was the gap between this one and the last one, if anyone knows? Ooh. Because you're talking, you're talking about this as like a comeback. The last, what was the last record before this was Ill Communication? That was what, like right. 93, 94? Yeah. yeah. So okay. we talked Four about five Sabotage years. in the 94 countdown, which yeah. is season two of yeah. this excellent podcast. Um, <laughs> came in at number 16. And if you do the math between that episode of that season of the great podcast and mm. this season of the so, wonderful podcast, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. have you have season three of Profiles of Thousands. Four great seasons. You have four great seasons <laughs> of content. And in that time, they like made one record. And like that's what they... <laughs> Whereas we, in that time... <laughs> Uh, many, many hours of content. God. I guess, like... And I won't say it out loud. No, you don't I'm, need I'm to. Too, I'm, I'm too proud to say that we are better than the Beastie Boys. <laughs> but if people are going to keep saying it, sure, I will give you a high five. Um, it's kind of different, but you could... I mean, like, I wouldn't. But you could say that we're the Beastie Boys of the podcast world. Yeah, like... Again, some, well, someone could say it. Again, I wouldn't say it. Someone could again, say it. again I, I wouldn't say it about ourselves, but if enough no, people are already saying it... But I'm happy it. to repeat what's being said on the straight. Yeah. 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 I'm happy to repeat what someone is probably going to write as the text for a five-star review on the phone. Oh, yeah, iTunes. sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. these guys are the Beastie Boys of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, first person to People do that. People probably started writing it, but then felt ashamed. And they shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. That's the thing. You should never feel ashamed uh, to We've make... We've been doing this bit for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, the Beastie Boys are going to release another album by the time we're done. Yeah. <laughs> so when we did talk about Sabotage, I talked about how... I like the Beastie Boys. I like them a lot, but I've never felt like they were my band or like I've never felt like I had an in to them. It was always like Sabotage comes on at a party and everyone's jumping around and singing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know all the words. I feel like I've kind of missed this boat somehow, mm. um, which, you know, it's fine. I'm sure everyone has boats that they've missed. But seeing that this was in the countdown for this season, I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to work, you know, oh, I'm so going to improve not, myself. This is not the one that you're going in on. No, this isn't my shit okay. song of the week. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the best thing is the other day, because, you know, I've been obviously listening to these songs a bit before being in the room. Obviously. And I was in the car with my friend and we both sang along to this and it was great. Great. And that's the thing, like, this song obviously is an incredible single. The sampling work is just stellar. Like, mm. it's immediately fun when you hear that distorted intergalactic planetary like yeah it's so fucking goes off it's so party there's there's no way to not start jumping god damn it it is such an anthem and it is so funny like you mentioned before Adam about how integral the Beastie Boys are to the history of hip hop and it's so funny to say one of the best 90s hip hop songs is these three New York Jewish guys making a sci-fi rap song but god damn it it is one of the best hip hop songs of the 90s it's so delightful Mm. it truly is if not an all time great absolutely yeah, yeah Yeah. And I'm so glad that it came out at the time where I was a kid because the energy of it is so exciting, especially when you're young. And I feel like this is a boat that if you were just near a radio or you were near any kind of music, 
at that age, if it was just something that was in your vicinity, you're on that boat, like with this song. It's it's something that I think is a party anthem for everyone in our generation because of its irrepressible energy, its unstoppable charm, and it's just prevalence. So super awesome. I want to wind back on the um, samples that you talked about earlier, Andrew. Um, if, for people who are interested in what they are, it's actually uh, a sample from the theme music from a 1984 film, The Toxic Avenger. Right. And that's classic Beastie Boys, man. Like that, and that's the same way that the film, the film clip, which is for a number of people very integral to how they've consumed the song, because it was one of their most requested film clips across MTV yeah. of its time. Riffing on Japanese kaiju monster films, mm. um, like it seems kind of Godzilla-y, but it's more robotic. It's actually based on the series finale of Johnny Soko and his flying robot. Oh. I'm not going to lie and say I've really? heard of it or seen it or anything, but it's so quintessential to the Beastie Boys as an idea. The average person would never have heard of that, but if Beastie Boys were nerds, yeah. that's why their sampling work is so clever and innovative. Well, they fit into the same crate-digging culture as like DJ Shadow and Fatboy Slim. Except, except their sampling work, evidently by what they're doing with this video, goes beyond using samples in songs. They're sampling whole culture. Yeah. And that's what's so great about this, is it's like that cinemascope... That Technicolor garbage beauty. Like That's playing behind them, but they're still them. They're using that as a sample. They're not fully going into that aesthetic, but that's the aesthetic that is yeah. colouring so thoroughly this track, which is why the samples are exactly what they are. And it's, it's just like you get that kind of kitsch sci-fi kind of aesthetic yeah. about it. But, they, but they're 100% still beastie. It's not, it's not colouring them. They're sampling mm. it. Obviously, the um, let the beat drop is huge. It's Another beat that obviously everybody loves is the I like my sugar with coffee and cream. So what here for it. Yeah. I like my sugar with coffee and cream. You're not, just, you're not having coffee. You're having, you're having sugar. sugar. <laughs> yeah. And then ending it on a pinch of, from, on the neck from... Mr. Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. Yeah. yeah. Which is why the Beastie Boys are used in the most recent Star Trek films as well. Yeah, like, which was. JJ Abrams is a massive Beastie Boys fan. But that also yeah. creates a, an interesting meta narrative thing. Like, like, mm. like, I know we always talk about diegetic levels of narrative in this podcast. <laughs> and I hate to bring it up again. But, the but do- <laughs> I have to use the, the sound effect because yeah. <laughs> you said the magic words. Jesus spot again. Like, the fact that in the modern Star Trek films, the Beastie Boys exist because yeah. they're not played out of soundtrack. They're played at the very start when a young Kirk is riding in the car and they're also played in the Star Trek Into Darkness, um, spoiler alert for a five-year-old movie, when they play Sabotage and they blow up a bunch of spaceships and they're like, Spock's like, like is this classical music? I believe it is because it's an old thing that's set in the distant good future. Joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no, it's a good joke. It works. It's it's good joke. Honestly, I really like Star Trek Into Darkness. It's not sure. Um, yeah, because yeah. it's basically just a movie length normal episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, okay. and like, so the Beastie Boys exist in the world of the modern Star Trek films, and in Intergal, I think they mention Mr. Spock. So one day he'll be listening to Hello Nasty and be like, what the shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that part. Surely of that's just four. a reference of like um, First Contact, where they go back to <laughs> pre Beastie Boys Earth time and make contact with humans, who then you know that then filters through to IRL Beastie Boys. Yeah. The, then there you go. I, I, I look forward to seeing. We've how, closed um, the loop. Jesus I, I, Christ! I, I look forward to seeing how the new Next Generation reboot handles the Beastie Boys narrative. <laughs> oh, it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> And number 24, it's Custard. This is Music is Crap. Red eyes, blue gaze. 
you look like hell today Step out on parade You do it so well Your favorite shirt Love shoes that you bought in Perth Dumb hair, smart slacks That's rock apparel Coming in at number 24 in the 1998 Hottest 100. That's a song called Music is Crap. Uh, quick question. The fuck, dude? Is it? Well, no, of course not. We've I, just, we've been talking about it for six seasons. And we've just talked about Mr. Spock, who I believe is an alien being a Vulcan. Uh, <gasps> listening There's to the link. Listening to and enjoying music, right? Yeah, did they even listen to the podcast before they wrote this song? <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Custard. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry Custard Row. Yeah. I, I think it's fair enough, like, pre this podcast to think that there might not be much in music. If you like music? Look, yeah. yeah. I mean, before, before we came about and let and, people know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, so this is the third and final single of uh, We Have the Technology, which was the Custard album that came out in 97. It also had Anatomically Correct, which we talked about last season. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is one of my favourite songs. It's choice songs, custard. right? This is exactly really? what Custard do best. Yeah, I mean, they also do That's Apartment a- Best. Um, Obviously they do Apartment Best. But the kind of beautiful, like, sunny afternoon, cruisy, I mean, it's also a bleary-eyed morning, but, like, <laughs> that really lovely guitar that kind of just and that little melody line that kind of takes you through the verses i think dave's voice is just like beautifully casual and relaxed there's something so just nice and friendly about it like this is a sunny day in brisbane you know it's funny and clever and rock pop metal shop they just berate it like aliens just don't don't care i just oh i love this song so much it's so Wonderful and just like it feels like sunshine in, yeah. in all the good ways. It is just sunny and gorgeous and fun and like acid beak and because like well, you you always think like if you're a sci-fi nerd like I am you think about how you would communicate with aliens or what you would show them as our art or whatever and it's funny to me to think that like they just be like mm, not for oh, us. this is all music the oh, 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 oh. garbage actually yeah. are there any good songs yeah, yeah. No? I, I feel like there's a fair chance that. Aliens would think that our this, this of course, right? Yeah, is crap well, particularly if 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 any, if any species has travel, yeah, their technology is beyond our comprehension. They've done other things so, with their time, yeah. So so yeah. So showing them like well, they might have finished music before moving on yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah. Like you should, oh, be so, you show them like, look, this song is called "Hey Mr. Tambourine Band" by one of the Clamp songwriters, Mr. Bob Dylan. It's a really beautiful song. It's like, oh yeah, we know that. We have that back home. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we've oh, done we we that. Oh, are you only are you, are you that? Are you that? Yeah. 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 It's just this giant yeah. alien yeah. with like fucking ten arms, <laughs> all waving tambourines. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you that close to the start? You still like that one? <laughs> oh, you, you have something in store. Yeah. This this is so- the way I just did it could be Bob Dylan now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or it was written about literal tambourine men from, yeah. the, oh, from the Tambourine <laughs> Nebula. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, you're a man made out of tambourines. A, a truly tambourine. horrific future. Yeah. But it depends on how well. you feel about handheld percussion, Andrew. Mm. I guess. Yeah. But also, like, in, in the verses, the second verse, there is a kind of nice picture of, I think, a band at Custard's level where you're like, everything's free, but we're still poor. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I have one guest spot on the door. That's cool. Like, yeah. you know, the thing, like, call your friends. Yeah. Like, think of your friends and put one on the door. On the door. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And I think, you know, Custard are a band that have, at this point had some nice success, but yeah. that's not. But it doesn't you know, mean anything mm. because it's still like, in the end, it's moderate success in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, so it's just like, you know yeah. what? Like, this is silly. Mm. You'd want to be successful in Australia. <laughs> yeah. You know who's successful in Australia? Pink. Red Foo. <laughs> the Madden Brothers. <laughs> Brian McFadden. Yes, yes. We all hate this country. <laughs> Music is crap. What, um, what Custer do well is that they marry the irony of a band like Weezer with like a pavement-esque indie rock drawl. Like, his voice works in that way. Like, and I think yeah. they marry those sounds very well the fact that there's just that simple chord progression on the acoustic guitar throughout it all while the band kind of like lackadaisically rocks out this song is like I haven't seen Custard live but um I can picture them playing this song and then they get off the stage just hopping off the front of the stage and then you'd be like, hey, man, can I buy you a beer? Like, it's that kind of song. They just seem like, so. they feel so approachable and human. And it's just charming and funny and, like, relaxing as a song. Ah, it's beautiful. So, but I, I think, like, it's really funny that you guys talk about how sunny and wonderful it is because I think that's only, like, the surface level of what's going on oh, in this song. Oh, it's the musicality of sunny in that. But. Yeah, totally. And I, I can see how it would be enjoyable in the sun. But, like, this is a band giving up almost. Like, just being like, <laughs> what, like whatever, music is crap. We've talked about the Australian band tendency to put yourself down. Mm. Well, Custard are just doing one better. They're putting the whole thing down. But also, it, it causes this shock zoom-out perspective where you go like, oh, yeah, music, it's kind of weird that we do that. We're, we're a bunch of apes in pants and we <laughs> bang on things and everyone's like, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> you bang that well. Good work. I also love And then the apes the- clap. It's like... Yeah. I love name, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the specificity of like the shoes that you bought in Perth and and yeah, those great, lines obviously. as well. Like there's well, that's some, it. No other band picture. could get away with that shit. Hey? Yeah. Smart slacks, dumb hair. It's like what they're doing there is they're pointing towards us like why does music have this other kind of fashionable yeah. cultural thing attached to it? What do you do? Like it's just distancing us and making us question the process of creation and consumption of music in this really weird light. Yeah. Which is cool. Also, the very great, terrible guitar solo. Mm. That bit of music, Pretty maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's not uh, Dave singing, is it? Isn't it? It's the drummer, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Have you guys ever met anyone who doesn't like any music? Oh! I know, but I, it's but weird. I know people who, aren't, very who quote, aren't into music. And like, they're like, I don't really listen to music much. That's always like, weird. What the That's fuck do you weird. do with your time? Like, yeah, no, I'm do you sure just that- go to work, sit there, finish work, go <laughs> home, sit on a chair, and then go to sleep? Well, like, that's what I do. Enjoy other things. Oh, sounds yeah. great. I was like, because what, but, but I'm sure there. I'm sure there are people. Normies. Deej cannot understand <laughs> what someone does with their time if it's not music. I'm Pretty sure. Much. I'm sure there are people who have the whose lives are dedicated around art that I don't have any affinity for, like opera or like I like some visual art. But I don't know. I'm not a visual art guy. 
Yeah. But there are some people who like maybe every weekend will go to a gallery opening or a small exhibition or something like that. And to them, visual small art... Small exhibition was my nickname in high school. Hey. Um, to, to them, that's the art. Then they'll be like, oh, yeah, I like... There are some individual songs I like, but I'm not really a, a, a music guy in the same way that there are like a small number of painters and visual artists who I know and really love, but I don't, I don't know about like the visual art world. I did also want to point out that um, you mentioned uh, that homely feeling of uh, uh, what you imagine watching Custard would be like. Nathan and I saw Custard um, together. I think it's one of the first times we met. I think it's the first time in person that we, we met, yeah. Aww. Yeah. Where was this, this at? 2015? At the old it was, Vic. Yeah, it was at the Vic. No, at the old Vic. It was like a Saturday afternoon. They did two sets there. And we were just up the front and they were just sitting around hanging out, chatting with people. Um, Glenn Thompson, who is the drummer, yeah. uh, wrote and wrote sang and the song. There you yeah. go. Um, and Dave drums when they play live. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really cool. Sick. Yeah. Wholesome. Well, they- and it was very like unexpected hit. Like, you know, it, it, I think it's like the third last track on the album or something. So it was buried yeah, quite deep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but of course, this nice. is getting in the countdown. Look at what it's called. Look yeah. at the, the sentiment behind it. Like, And, it's- and the Jays were fucking flogging Custard. Yeah, this there's a precedent for, for Custard. Like, it's Custard. Makes Mm-mm. so much fun. Delicious. <laughs> Allow me to slip into something a little more comfortable. Like a doctor's robe. At number 23, this is Massive Attack with Teardrop. Massive Attack at number 23 with Teardrop from the album Mezzanine. We got some heavyweights this episode and uh, this is this is one of them and this is heavy in a, a very, very different uh, sense. Adam. Yeah. Love is a verb. Do you love this song? Dear Custard, music is not crap. Hey! <laughs> my, my argument is <laughs> the, the song that beats your ass. <laughs> <laughs> this... Absolutely perfect masterpiece, and I and I I mean that like probably more so than maybe any other song that we have ever covered or will cover. This song is ten out of ten, 
It is a masterpiece in the truest sense of the word. I think this is just an absolutely outstanding song. Yeah, fucking it's, right. It's audio it's, that is perfect. It's staggering. Yeah. It is yeah. like yeah. it is absolutely staggering. So um, let's talk about how it came to be. Started off with that harpsichord riff. That was the first thing that Massive Attack came up with for this track, which is already you're off to a pretty good start. So that then became a working title of a song called No Don't in 1997. The next thing they had to sort out was who was going to be the vocalist for this one. Now, this caused a little bit of a tension between the band, and many people cite this as one of many tensions that would eventually see the band splitting up, or as an indicator of the kind of tension that, that caused the band to split up later. Andrew from the band, a.k.a. Mushroom, I believe. Yeah. I'm not going to do everyone's... Uh, AKAs. AKAs, <laughs> but I remember that one because it's Mushroom. Uh, he, oh. wanted, he wanted Madonna to be the vocalist for this track and even and sent she off was uh, a demo. She mm. was Can you so fucking keen. imagine that alternate timeline? Yeah, well, I yeah. want to hear that fucking version, dude. I would really like to hear that version as well. However... I, I do not. As the cocktail twins <laughs> fan in the room, I do not want to hear that version. Which leads us to the person who eventually did get picked and you hear on this track, which is Elizabeth Fraser from yes. Cocktail Twins, which Grant and Robert from the band were both more keen on and that was signed off and agreed to before Madonna could um, could sign off and, and agree to it herself. <laughs> well, it, was a, it went to a vote and it was two to one. So well, Yeah, they voted. Yeah, one, one for Elizabeth, two for Elizabeth. <laughs> Would you like a recount? But Madonna was gutted. She really wanted to work with them. She worked with them uh, previously as well. So Elizabeth Fraser uh, also wrote the lyrics um, for this track and, and, and came up with it. Of course, the famous story that goes along with this song was the fact that Elizabeth Fraser received news that her dear friend Jeff Buckley had died while the song was being recorded. I'd always known that as a myth, and I wasn't sure exactly how true it was. I believe it's true. It is 100% true. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely true. She's talked about it in interviews. And she speaks about how um, she didn't write the song about Jeff, but then in hearing that it happened, that informed her interpretation of her own words and her performance, I believe. How could it not? Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're in the middle One of this of process, just died. you have to use it, yeah. right? They were really close by, by all accounts, and the stories about how they got together basically just comes from mutual love of one another's voices, yeah. um, which is just so perfect. So they actually did record some duets together, um, one of which being a song called All Flowers in Time Bend Towards the Sun. Now, this is actually, you can find, getting back to kind of what I was saying about Everybody Here Wants You last week, Elizabeth Fraser has gone on record saying that that kind of really annoys her because she goes like, that wasn't, we, we hadn't signed off on that. It wasn't ready to be heard yet. So I'm kind of annoyed that it's out there. So it's something that I was questioning about, you know, those kind of posthumous releases or demos or, or working things where, where the band or artists don't get yeah. to, to sign off officially. Like, it's just interesting to see that, oh yeah, sometimes that does kind of happen. It really um, does. So she's gone on record saying that um, now to her, Teardrop is about Jeff, and it's it's a quite a guilty song for Elizabeth. She says that she just wished that she'd been more of a friend to him. Well, because yeah, she was uh, she's a, a bit older than he was, mm. and like, had been in the music industry for a longer period. Yep, and yeah. she you know, wrapped up in her own career. And I guess like they like you'd have feelings of guilt of that, but like, she shouldn't feel bad. No, like she should never. It's easy no. to say that. Yeah, of yeah, course, totally. it's easy to say that. But yeah. I, I mean, I suppose like guilt is just a is a is a grief response and a mourning yeah, response in as much as way, anything yeah. else. This song is just so many things in terms of its mood. Like it's it's quiet, it's candle lit, it's solitary. It has a heartbeat. The way that 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 beat comes in there just reminds me of heart. It's just mm -hmm. got there's just bone and spirit in this song. I think I always thought that was a beatbox. I thought I'd read somewhere that it was you know Razel, 
the beatboxer. I don't know where I read it, but I was under the impression for ages that it was him doing the boop-boop-boop-ka. Doesn't sound enough like a Timberland beat. But I think... All it takes for me is to hear the beginning of that beat and I'm just already just like... Gone, man. Under the, oh, under the yeah. spell. Yeah, and it's just one of the, the most perfect around beats. It, like the, dang. the piano and the way that that just kind oh, of like that low end piano. Oh. It has such weight. And when I was listening to it, the, the last time I listened to it, the image that came to me was the idea of like a craft landing on the moon and just like that touchdown on the surface of the moon and dust just kind of weakly, slowly with very minimal gravity, kind of floating up. And it kind of mirroring the, the the hands pressing down on the keys of a dusty piano, and then that's answered by the bass. It's a call and response, and the structure and the way that that kind of is so structured and everything is so on the beat. Even yeah. the the first notes, it just reminds me of a ritual. You're going through this song because it's achieving something. There's a theatre to it and there's a ritual to it and there's a spiritual component to it. And by the end, when it reaches its crescendo, you've you've completed it. The spell's cast. Well, like, there's like, just something about that. Like it's, the, it's the fucking opening lyrics, right? Love is a verb. Love is a doing word. There's something ritualistic yeah, about it. It's mm. like, honestly, like... How many times have you seen that fucker tattooed on someone? Hey. Oh, probably heaps. I can't yeah. Remember, probably. Um, the fact that, like, um, whenever anybody speaks about... Like, I'm coming from a point of view of being a very big Cocteau Twins fan. Yeah. Um, right. But... Whenever anybody talks about Cocteau Twins or Dream Pop in general, but particularly Elizabeth Fraser's voice, every, the, the cliche is to say it's ethereal. But there is truly no other word to describe how beautiful her voice is, it's particularly ex- here. It's extraordinary. It's just like, yeah. not to denigrate the work of the B of the production, because the Massive Attack Boys knocked it well clear of the park with this one. It oh, is yeah, 100%. Like, the thing about trip-hop is that it's so insular and 90s, and it seemed like it was more of a blip on the radar. Like, there are still trip-hop yeah. acts happening now, and some yeah. really wonderful acts as well. But it really seemed like it was a thing that, between Blue Lines and Portishead's Dummy, mm. those were yeah. like, this is how you make trip-hop. And then this song comes out, and I was like, this is the end of trip-hop now, don't worry. Well, it is. Like, yeah, to me, it's the, it is the perfect yeah. masterpiece of trip hop. Yeah. I just want to go on record and also say that Manzanine's one of my favorite albums from the 90s. Beautiful it's record, so good. man. All yeah. the, like, the thing so is, that it's like, um, have, this is a very clear highlight from the record, but the whole thing is really fucking good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but this song, obviously, it feels so measured and considered. There's nothing here that doesn't need to be, and there's nothing here that could be taken away. It's ex- every single moment of the song from like the, the soft, like when it starts off and like the harpsichord thing going on. And then when at the, towards the end, when Liz gets to show off the power of her voice, not, not just the intimacy, but the power that she can project those is final, just, those, those final notes, right? She's, holy in, shit, she's yeah. on fire. And the fact that like the soundscape that massive attack produced around her voice envelops her so beautifully but never like the mixing is like that's the thing right it's it's, the song is so beautiful that i had to think about how much i love the mixing of Mm. it because nothing is too loud nothing's too quiet she's not buried in the mix because like cocktail twin stuff they were a dream pop band so for the little cocktail twins they just like scoop her inside the middle of the the mix but for this they know to punctuate her just above where you would expect it, and it's just everything about it is a masterstroke. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, just one of the most singularly beautiful songs 
of the nineties and just like even like, ever I'm gonna Yeah. Those open yeah. the opening verse and it's like love, love, love is a verb, love is a doing word, feel us on my breath, gentle impulsion, shakes me, makes me lighter, feel us on my breath, teardrop on the fire, feel us on my breath. It's perfect kind mantra. of poetry. It's it's mantra like it's it's, it's yeah. like it's like an invocation. It's like a, a sermon or a ritual dance. It like, reminds me of um the role that chanting has in Zen meditation. Very, very much so like that, right? They're yeah. It's almost like a Cohen. Like Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, you you can't solve what the lyrics mean, but they're designed to empty your mind yeah. and just kind of experience. You, you, yeah. you become clearer with it. Yeah. So I think it's it's kind of highfalutin, like the kind of ideas that we're playing with, but to me that's a metric for quality of song. When you get when it evokes in such a way that words just spill out or images just spill out, especially or maybe it's a personal thing for me, but I certainly think that that's one of the the ways in which I can tell that a song has really gotten to me. If it's just a torrent of thought, speech, image that kind of comes through with it, and it certainly does with this track. Yeah, it's just a beautifully sublime and perfect moment wrapped up in five and a half minutes that feels just intensely private. And yes. like you you yeah. listen to this song and you're in the world of this song, and that's all there is, and that's all there needs to be because the song is everything you need. A lot of electronic music is not meant to evoke particular emotions beyond movement or physicality. But mm. I think um, when electronic music like this in particular does this really well is that, um, and this is like a personal thing as well, but like I know that there would be times if I'm feeling particularly like disassociated from the world or indeed if I'm just like intoxicated and hear this song on good headphones and it's like I feel like time doesn't exist your corporeal body exists within the realms, like the parameters that the song defines for you. And just like, and that's all the production work here, right? Cause it just feels expansive and it feels like it, no matter how you listen to the song, even if you listen to it on like a bad laptop speaker, it still feels like it's around you because the, the percussive work of the beats and the piano and the harpsichord are so well placed in the mix that it makes you feel like you live within the realms of the song. It's just a fucking masterpiece. There's nothing you would change about it. It's one of the, like, no. even some of my favourite songs, I'm like, ah, oh, it could be a bit longer, it could be a bit shorter. There's not a millisecond or micron of sound in this song that isn't beauty. I'm so thankful that we got to talk about it and we get oh, to yeah. have it a part of the, the podcast and it's a part of the whole I forgot that it, I, I don't know why I didn't think it would be here obviously it was going to be here it's a yeah. huge hit of the 90s yeah. but like in my head it, it, I guess because again because Trip Hop was such a singular moment in time I can't picture Zanro being like it would drop some massive attack in the next hour like the way the way think even think even bigger this was played on commercial radio again I've talked about that kind of thing where it's just like that was played on the fucking radio? Imagine this in between All I Have to Give by the Backstreet Boys or, like, another Matchbox 20 song or, like, anything like that. All My Life by Casey and Jojo was probably the biggest hit on record of that summer. But, like, nibbling at its fucking tail was fucking teardrop. Yeah. It was uh, top ten in the UK, the highest charting Massive Attack single Understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah. Sp- speaking of also another high chart, the Triple J Hottest 100 of 2009. Yeah. Uh, all, the all time countdown. All time 09. All time mm. 09, 22. Twenty-two. 22. Honestly, good. if this had been number one in this countdown, I would have been really. Happy I would have zero like, qualms with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, who knows what was number one and whether we have qualms with that? But yeah. Um, this, <laughs> I remember fucking not being able to handle this as a kid. I have to remind you, the music video for this song is a singing fucking fetus 
Before the dancing baby, there was the singing fetus. The big two. That shit creeps you the fuck. It creeps me out now. And I just turned 28. Did we miss your birthday? Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. Oh shit, happy birthday, man. Thank you. I did, did I say it on the, on the day? Or were you just quiet about it? Was I, I, just I don't post about it. He's quiet about it. Happy birthday, dude. Thank you. Well, I hope you had a great quietly. day. Happy birthday. Yeah. But it is a beautiful video in its own way, I think. I think having distance between hearing this and first experiencing this and then coming to it later on in life, and this is going to out me as probably the most blindingly white person in the room, but... Both Jose Gonzalez and Newton Faulkner's fucking great covers of this song both really kind of said in my head, like, fuck me drunk. That is such a special song. Yeah. You I know? think you're right. It's like what you're saying. It was on commercial radio and everything. I remember knowing of the song, but not really thinking much of it. And then, I don't know, whether oh, it was at end of high oh. school or whatever, and you just get the opportunity to actually sit with it. Uh, and uh, I know so many people that if you play the song, they're like, oh, right, that song or whatever. Yeah. But I, I really think if if that's you, you really owe it to yourself to, like, headphones in and just sit with this song and really, like, let it connect with you because like, it I will. Le- I, legit, I legit just had, like, a fucking freakish, like, memento, like, flashback. We've been riffing on like commercial radio, like presenters and stuff like that. Crazy Mike was our was our local, and like every night it'd be the hot thirty. And I used to listen in every night the hottest thirty songs as voted by us. Like we'd all call in and cast our votes, etc. Someone uh, ended up hosting that particular show. Who uh, maybe maybe here today? <gasps> I think I was two two steps removed from Crazy Mike. Crazy Mike. Wow. Yeah. Did you have a Saint Adam? Yeah. Yeah. Saint Adam. Every time he'd introduce a song, he'd like make a little joke in relation to the song. It's just I didn't like do that. <laughs> you're a serious man. Mm. But yeah, like, I was very serious about the Domino's mm. pizza wheel. <laughs> yeah, did you win the pizza wheel? Sadly not. <laughs> I don't think Domino's exist. Domino's didn't exist when I was eight years oh, old. Oh no, it was the Pizza Hut pizza wheel. My bad. And when someone caught, like when we spun the pizza wheel, it was like the sound of went pizza pizza. Pizza, 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 pizza. And then wherever it stopped, it was like, the, the prize was predetermined, but I'd say like, oh, congratulations, the pizza wheel has stopped on two large pizzas of garlic bread and a 1.25 litre bottle of Coke. Congratulations. Thanks for playing, Dave. Oh enjoy God, enjoy your pizza. Yeah. yeah, enjoy oh, your pizza. This, this is going to change my life. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Oh, my God, this is just like... I, ne- I, ne- I never thought it would be me. Just, there are just so many people to thank. Yeah. Um, oh. yeah. Well, crazy life for one. No. Um, we did this for you, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Mr. Hart, Pizza Hart, obviously. Um, thanks so much. Yeah. yeah. Anyway... I'm trying to tell a fucking story. Sorry, you, you went, went to yeah, Pizza Hut. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you I went to Pizza, the pizza Wheel. <laughs> but then Mum was like, "No, I feel like chicken tonight." <laughs> and then we, I feel <laughs> like chicken tonight, like chicken tonight. Oh goddamn! Capitalism like- causes brainworms. <laughs> So can chicken, if badly prepared. Anyway, so he'd like do a little thing for for everyone. It's just like, well, Ben Lee's up next with cigarettes will kill you, but it looks like he's staying alive in the hot thirty at number twenty eight. Good, nice. and like you know, do do ones for all of them. And I distinctly remember listening one night. And it's just like, all right, Massive Attack up next with teardrop, a little teardrop for Massive Attack as they're down a couple of spots this week. <laughs> it is and a I noble just, craft. Yeah, but like legit, that was part of the fucking pop culture, and now it is thanks to House. 
The fact that this song has somehow weaved its way into the collective unconscious after 20 fucking years and is still out there. And the fact that it is one of the most recognizable songs of all time. Like, uh, it, it's on par with We Will Rock You. It, like, the fetus is going to be a big man yeah, someday. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, that fetus grew up to be. <laughs> the baby on the, never mind. The baby, the baby on the <laughs> grew up to be. <laughs> Dave Hughes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> My mother shot me in the pool. Oh, <laughs> oh there's some money here, though. <laughs> we do need to balance our seriousness with a bit of silliness, don't we? Mm. It's, just, yeah. it's the yin and yang. <laughs> but truly, this song is <laughs> Don't just... get serious again. <laughs> <laughs> truly a really wacky <laughs> song. And number 22, it's Grinspoon with Black Friday. Black Friday 22, 1998, Hottest 100. I am eight years old. I am at the North Nowra Tavern with my family. There is a video jukebox where you can put money in and you can watch music videos uh, that will play over the PA at your request. I... Got $2 from my parents, and I made two bold choices. I went with Nathan's favorite song, <gasps> The Unforgiven 2 by Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. People are trying to eat. Spectacular. And this video. This is a, a, a big one. Like, I remember this vividly. This is a very early realisation of, like, oh, cool, Australian rock band. Same with, uh, like, The Living End. Mm. Same with Powderfinger. Like, you know, discovering this stuff all around the same time was a fucking revelation. And at this point, this is probably one of the heaviest things that I've heard. Like, I don't think I'd heard, like, down-tuned guitars before. Mm. It's no one's favourite Grinspoon song, but uh, honestly, there's just something about this that just fucking gets to me man like it's that perfect bridging between what Grinspoon were and what Grinspoon would become like it's got that like big like shuggy huge riff and those big driving drums and like the kind of harsh vocals that would which would just sometimes just be a tonal just like yeah 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 and then just like weird kind of off notes and it uh 
Uh, uh, not following really into the home key of D, really. It's just, it gives me that rush because every time I hear it, I'm just like, fuck, this just, it just takes me back and just reminds me of simpler times, baby. I know it's, you know, not fucking rocket science or anything like that. And it's definitely not, you know, the most, you know, subtle or inventive song that they've crafted, but I'll be fucked if it doesn't go hard. I fucking ride for this, man. Sick. I reckon, I reckon that like each time we've spoken about Grinspoon, I feel like we've said that, um, they're more and more than themselves like they're finding them the maturity to feel at home in their songwriting process and yeah. he as well the most at home they've fucking felt like thick as hell down tune guitar chunky bass mm-hmm. like the solidity of that lets Phil rock out a bit more like he's a bit more loose with his vocal performance here so it feels like a more like kind of wild rock song than it potentially is the rhythm section moves like a fucking freight train yeah. like this just works as a piece of hard-edge rock music. I think Grinspoon are in fucking fine form here. It's a wonderful piece of music. I always find it very interesting the way Grinspoon uh, skirt around the peripheries or play or dip into <laughs> punk. They dip into punk. And I think that what you were talking about with his vocals, that's a punk aspect that really informs that sensibility. But this song is, is like, it's just aggressive playfulness, right? It's, it's like if when you see two dogs playing and it's like, are you... Fighting? Or are you having a good time? These, <laughs> these dogs. Okay? I get nervous. It's like are these dogs okay? Yeah, when they're like biting each other's faces yeah, like, and shit, they're, like, and they're making yeah, they make all these growling noises, and it's just kind of like there'd be there's so little difference to that and genuine aggression mm. that if you don't know dogs that well, you're like what? Oh. Um, <laughs> but or, or like you know, to take a human example, it's it's like play wrestling, right? Yeah. It's like grabbing your mate in a headlock and noogieing him, and then you know throwing down on the in the grass next to the dogs. For the dogs to actually eat him. And then yeah. the dogs... Yeah. And then it the crosses over and it's a mess. Yeah, I don't great. really like yeah. this song. Aha! Hey! We've cracked it! Here it, it comes! Do it! Do it! Do it. I have regrets about what I've set up for See, myself. See, you know because... he's going to love the next one, too. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I just I just don't get into it. And okay. I don't I don't think I hate it, even though I said I should hate... What, do you not think no, it rocks hard? You're backing off. Hey, Rock, I don't know. I, I, I just, like... It kind of passes me by. I don't much care for the heaviness. So, Nathan, um, Nathan, mm. you've been very reasonable about this. I know criticism. I am, aren't I? You made a promise. Oh fuck! All right, give me. <laughs> All right, look, Grinspoon have been around long enough at this point to ditch the kind of kitty thing. I think they need to kind of either grow up or like I don't know. There's just nothing, nothing of value lyrically in this song. And sure, they can do the heavy thing, but they've done that before, and I just don't care about. The riffs aren't as interesting as what they've done, and the songwriting is is also not a step forward enough. So I don't know. No, I, I'm not sold on no, that. No, I was I was into it, man. Really? I yeah, don't I think so. To, I was about to be like, there he is. Oh, so Phil Becker's important song for Deej. I don't. I don't <laughs> look. I don't hate it. I just don't really like it. Every time I listen to it, I was like, eh, you know. Well, you better go in really hard on the next song. Fuck. That's all I can say. Oh boy, what a uh, time to blow it. Regrets. I have some. <laughs> to quote the famous song. What else can you really say? Like, there's, there's not a lot to deep dive into in this song. It's, yeah. You know, it's Grinspoon doing what they are mastering at, yeah. the, at this point. Well, They're, you know what? what? <laughs> it shouldn't be this high. You know? <laughs> right, I can like, play that. This, sure, this can be a no, fun, heavy yeah, song yeah, or whatever. It shouldn't be this high. It just shouldn't be this high. And I think, uh, you know, if we skim back over some recent episodes, I've, I think there's definitely been some pandering to young bands that don't deserve the spot that they're given. But Fucking I remember- youth. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, the Eskimo Joe song that I hated. There we go. I didn't like that one. Jumper. Jumper. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think this should be this high. I don't think it's special. Mm. Wow. Yeah. These are, like, 
in the 80s or 90s song for me. And the fact that it's mm. this high, I think, is not. I'm just going to come through and say, like, I kind of like the Triple J are, you know, supporting or doing such a good job of supporting young Australian bands that a song like this can get up this high. Nah, not for Nah, nah, I don't know. Yeah. It's not a spectacular song, but I think it rocks hard enough to get the votes, but it shouldn't... Like, it's, it is too high. I'd be happier if it was, like, 62. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm obviously reaching. I don't hate the song that much. <laughs> You're about seven um, spots off, buddy. Hey. Um, 55. But I also, I also don't really get into it or write for it. All right. For reasons that I have not made clear. <laughs> and number 21, this is Marcy Playground. This is the big two. Sex and candy. Hanging around downtown by myself, and I had so much time to sit and think about myself, and then there she was. Like double cherry pie, yeah, there she was. Like disco superfly. I smell sex and candy. Yeah. Who's that lounging in my chair? Who's that casting devious stares in my direction? Mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Yeah, Mama, this surely is a dream. Marcy Playground with Sex and Candy at number 21 in the 1998 Hottest 100 from the album Marcy Playground. Andrew. Yeah, um, this is actually new to me, so I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Downtown by yourself, you say. Yeah. <laughs> of course I jest. I was pulling a classic Andrew. Um, this, this song, like, utterly essential to the landscape of late 90s post-grunge music, utterly inescapable from a huge number of media. It works like, like obviously, that slow, dreary tempo, like... It's built around catchy hooks, not just the chorus. Like, so many individual lines are very catchy and memorable kind of thing. It's always been in the zeitgeist, but, like, is it a good song? I don't know. Look, I do. It's, it's okay to listen to, but I don't. I, I never, like... <laughs> I, I feel like you can never really know. It'd be the kind of thing with, like, you know, on the count of three, we're all going to say whether or not yeah. we think it's a good song, and you and have no idea what. Yeah. It's not crappy to listen to, but, like... There's never been a point in my life where I'm like, I'll put on Sex and Candy by Macy Playground. And it's the fact that I said the band name wrong speaks to my commitment to the band. I have a theory as to why none of us can properly deal with this song. Please. Because we have all Speak had... Speak for yourself. We have all had the... Well, you know, at least I, I will wager the majority of the people in the room. <laughs> but I will wager that everyone has had this experience. Oh, here we go. You are eight years old. And yeah, so far. So far. Joke <laughs> <laughs> <Dirk> landed. Tick. <laughs> You're in the car with your parents. Tick. 
Yep. This song comes on and you feel a little bit awkward. They change yes. they sessions. Because yes. you're like, but we call them lollies. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the... Uh, yeah, I smell sex and lollies. lollies. Yeah. Yeah. I smell roots and lollies. Roots and lollies. Eats roots and lollies. There's the episode. Are you kidding me? Roots and lollies. Fucking hell. Title. The uh, the trope codifier song for that for me was um, Rage's Gorilla Radio getting turned off when it came on in the car. See, this so, wasn't this wasn't the parents turning this off. This was the parents just like me sitting in silence sit. and it's like they're singing about sex and I'm here. Uh, like when your parents are like smirking at each other, knowing that you're like cringing into oblivion. That was I don't, I don't know enough at that point. That would be a baller part of being a parent. Like if you like your kids, like oh, like oh, you, you, you like you like cheesy action films. Let's sit down and watch this film called True Lies. <laughs> there, there, there's not a really extended weird scene with Jamie Lee Curtis doing a striptease or anything, son. Sit down and watch this with me. <laughs> oh, isn't that the worst? Sex scenes when you're watching a movie Folks with are your about parents. To I went home and watched a movie with my parents recently and there was even a little bit of nudity oh. in the movie that we watched and it was still a bit awkward. Yeah, so we're right. all yeah. adults. We yeah. have all seen bits. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's seen a boob or two. people. Yeah, yeah. It's the fucking worst, man. Like, <laughs> it's the worst. Like when you're sitting, <laughs> all of the worst is when you're sitting in your room watching a movie on your own and then you're like, oh, man, this is a really interesting fucking film, man. I'm really enjoying the, like, the drama of this movie. It's like, oh, there appears to be a, a brief section of nudity in this. Door opens. <laughs> what are you doing, son? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> More looking at titties. Shut the shit up. <laughs> so yeah. b- before, I feel like Deej is going to enlighten us with this. Do we need to fall one way or, or the other before we? We need to sort ourselves out before Deej comes in. All right, all yeah. right. I'm gonna say it's a bad song. It's a thumbs down from me too. Yeah, yeah. I think Maybe this could be my <laughs> hate song. You know, what this, you song. know what this song is for me. This song is... Neither sex nor candy. Yeah. This song is erectile dysfunction. I was, I was going to say it's... What? Um, yeah, it's uh, blue balls and tapioca. Because there's... Some there's sort of candy, stop yeah. coming up with better song titles. <laughs> because there's sex involved in the song, but it's not happening. This song doesn't fuck. This, no. This song's... It, it should... It wants but to. But it's not happening. It really wants to. It does want to, but it's just like, sorry... Oh, it's just, is it a bad song, though? <laughs> I'm really into songs that ev- evocate the desire but failure to make love. Mm. And I'm not necessarily saying that as a bad thing. That's just the, the, what the song is. But I don't know. Like, I think it is bad. But the chorus, let's look at the chorus. You know, the, the melody, the way that it plays with the guitar line. What do we think about that? Is that good? Let's it's break a, it down bit by bit. The chorus, what do we think? Cor- good chorus? The pre-chorus bit with the, like, the, like, hanging around, like, sitting in my easy chair, or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> 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 Adults here. I don't know. I've had a few. Um, <laughs> but like, it's not in my easy chair. Is it a lazy chair? Who's that lounging in my chair? It's a lazy- I'm lounging in my he chair. He doesn't specify the chair. That's the chorus. Yeah, I, presume I presume it's a lazy boy. Um, an easy chair. <laughs> no individual parts of the song are egregiously crappy, but the song isn't cool. Like it's kind of crap. I think that's what I'm trying to say. That it's it's hard to like really get behind this song. I don't know. It, 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 Do you want heaps hard for it, DJ? That, yeah! yeah <laughs> Some whips us, baby! Yeah, boy. Fuck all of mm. you. Fuck all of you with sex and candy. This is an uninteresting and boring story about this song, but Please. like the the smell of sex and candy, that, that line was a was a quote that was said five years 
before uh, <coughs> old mate got round to writing this song. Holding on to that for a while. That's that's so fucking funny, man. Like, to like it, sit around and be like, there's really something there. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, he was, he was hey. Dude made a lot of money yeah, off this. Yeah, so that song put laughing. his fucking kids through college. So. Can I say something that I do like, and I know this with certainty? I've had too much caffeine. That line, it's all right. I've had too much caffeine. And the way that it... It's, I like how it, it, it breaks. Pushes, it pushes, yeah. Yeah. That fits with it. Like, that's really clever because someone who had too much caffeine would break the rhythm up of the yeah. song. Did we uh, see the, um, the review that Rolling Stone gave yeah, it when yeah, it was first like released? It. Um, they... I wasn't reading Rolling Stone at the time, unfortunately. Well, I, I was, and I happen to remember it perfectly. <laughs> word for word. I have a subscription. From 20... <laughs> Hold on to that for five years. From, from, I, haven't, I haven't read it for 20 years, but I remember it word for word because I, I'm an incredible brain genius. Um, they said it was um, an unappetizing artificial sweetener marriage of downtempo. Nirvana chords and greasy Dave Matthews frat minstrel sensitivity concerning a sad sax trying out on hippie lingo brackets dig it yeah mama and caffeine which is a very four stars it's a very good dragging Wait, oh. is it a good song yes <laughs> Nathan I think why no. are you asking him look at me look at my eyes we're undecided look at me Deej why is it a good song yeah it's this lackadaisical, fascinating paradox of, like, slacker joy. Like, this is kind of my gateway into, like, that whole realm of power chords mixed with kind of lower-key, uh, despondent kind of vocals, you know, like getting into stuff like pavement and shit. I don't think I would have ever appreciated pavement if I didn't get into sex and candy first. And same with a bunch of, like, you know, like, Weezer and that sort of stuff. Like, a bunch of dudes that were doing this sort of stuff that I came to love later on. This is a gateway drug for me. I am fascinated by that mix of contrasts that despondent kind of uh, yeah you know but do you buy it though because it seems really artificial it seems really played up no that's that's like as we me. discovered in St. John on the, on the school bus that's just how he sounds he's just dealing with what he's got so you know I have, I have no qualms with that I think you know you're onto something when People can recite this song fucking back to front. It doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. I don't think the song is shitty, but there's mm. never been a time it's that not I enjoyable thought, listen to yeah. it. Like yeah. I've never wanted to hear it. It's just I've never had fun listening to it. I think that's in the end what I have to say. It mm. may be a good song, but I've never enjoyed it. Yeah. Ambivalence is always going to be my reaction to this track, and maybe I shouldn't try and solve that as a problem. That's just what the song is. It's mm. this weird, slightly uncomfortable drippy oozy pop song my ears that, are burning you know it's, and yeah. it's and that's not the worst thing but it's not something that I necessarily enjoy that brings us to the end of yet another episode of hottest one hundreds and thousands. And I, for one, am disappointed that Nathan didn't make good on his promise. Yeah. God, it didn't last very long, did it? Thanks I'd... to everyone except Nathan, <laughs> the coward. Boo. <laughs> Boo, Nathan. If tr- you were me, what would you have swung hard at? Teardrop, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's... yeah, just become the most hated dude in the room. <laughs> the obvious choice was to have come in and swung really hard at Teardrop. Anyway. But yeah. anyway, let's get on to the more important things, such as picking our favourites, Ali's favourites, and continuing the ever-continuing story of Carry Over Champs and Carry Over Chumps. Andrew. David. Tell me what you're thinking, baby. Uh, no surprise from my way I was ranting about it that uh, Teardrop was my favourite song of the episode and is indeed my new Carry Over Champ. 
dethroning um, Harvey Danger flagpole sitter, as much as I do love that song. There is something singularly perfect about Teardrop, and I'll be very surprised if it doesn't carry me through to the end of the season. My least favourite this week will be Sex and Candy, but it, it's just an arbitrarily kind of dumb song. It's nowhere near the level of disgust that Brand Van <laughs> 3000 evokes in me with yeah. their horribly problematic drinking in LA. Yeah. <laughs> horribly problematic. <laughs> I think i got to do it. i I got to go with Teardrop as well and uh, crown that bad boy and give that little singing fetus a recording contract and tell it it's going to be a star. That's New, what I'm going to do. New champ? Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess custard for, for least favourite. My favourite is definitely Teardrop. It's also my carryover champ. Yeah. And I would probably carry it over as far as I could into next season yeah. uh, were that possible oh my god can we do that no uh, <laughs> my worst is also sex and t- candy from this episode uh, but it is not dethroned the chump drinking in LA um, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make Teardrop my new champ. Like, oh, you yeah, yeah. yeah. champ! You know, I obviously yeah. I love Tism, but, you know, I, I said when we were talking about it, this probably should have been number one, and mm-hmm. at least it can be for us. Nice. I will give Marcy Playground um, the fifth, you know, it is a bad song, um, but it is not as bad as the Unforgiven 2. <laughs> so... There you go. Before we go, we are um, in a few short weeks. Uh-huh. We're um, doing our our vote in episode, our remix episode, as we call it, where each of us say the song that we would have included in our ten number of votes, and also wish was here, and we would have liked to include it. Like last year, um, we have something fun planned for this episode, and we're really looking forward to doing it, and we're really looking forward to sharing it with you. But as again last last year, listener, if you have any thoughts on the podcast, the countdown, all the songs involved, now is your time to conduct us. Hit us up on uh, our Facebook page, our Twitter account, which is hottest one hundreds. Our uh, email is hottest one hundreds and one thousands at gmail dot com. Hit us up with. Your vote in, your write-in vote, your thoughts on the uh, countdown, songs that were too high, too low, grievances, mistakes mm-hmm. we've made. It's time to... <laughs> what? <laughs> things uh, we missed. Like, things, things we missed. Things we missed. Um, love, love that. If you have like a special story connecting to one of the songs or whatever. Oh, love that. Yeah. Love that. Please hit us up. We're going to incorporate it into our remix episode in a mm-hmm. few short weeks' time. We're very excited about that episode, and we are very, very excited to hear from you all. So please contact us again on Facebook, Hottest 100s and 1000s, Twitter, Hottest 100s, or via email, Hottest 100s and 1000s at gmail.com. Stoked to hear from you, team. All right. Top 20 next week. On behalf of Miss Adam Buncher. See ya. Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Farewell. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for you. Mm-hmm.